Alright guys, good morning again. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch and glad you guys decided to join us uh, this morning. Hey, we um, sent out some communication this week that we had a big announcement this morning. You guys ready for it? You ready? Me and a group of about 10 guys are starting a basketball league. Yeah, let's go. That's not the big announcement, but I actually am really excited. If you want to come watch our first game, 6 p.m. Tuesday night, Springdale Rec Center. I'll be there. Uh, pray for us. <laughs> We're all, I think, older than 25. Well, a few of us are a little. Oh, uh, <laughs> not my idea, but the Lord's lads is what somebody suggested. But I don't, I, thankfully, that won't be on our jersey. But anyways. Uh, no, but hey, get this, guys. Here's our big announcement for real. A huge answer to prayer for our church family. But the Lord has graciously uh, given us a new church building. Woohoo! Praise God! Yeah! Yes! So let me, uh, there's a lot more to there's a picture of the outside of it. 20, the address is 2211 Hawks Landing. And. Um, we, uh, that's, it's in Johnson, technically, but literally it's right on the line between Fayetteville and Springdale. Uh, anybody a fan of Wright's Barbecue? Anybody like that place? Okay. <laughs> a few of you are vegetarians, and vegetarians, I guess. Uh, but anyways, um, literally you can see this building if you sit outside Wright's Barbecue. It's right across the street. And um, down just a little, little row, but you can see it from sitting out there. But anyways, this, there's a, a long story behind this whole process. And it was not an easy process, but here's the main encouraging thing about this. Well, one of many, but here's a simple thing. I announced on, I think it was November the maybe 6th. Um, it was the first Sunday in November. We had just recently started our media fast, three-week media fast, if you guys were part of that. And at that point, we had been searching for about six months for either an office space or a place to meet for church. And we got... Uh, shut door after shut door after shut door after shut door and some of them seemed like yeah this is going to work it's great this is an open door uh, but just uh, didn't work out and so by the by that last shut door a little bit before November 6th I was just talking to God and I'm like Lord all right here's what we're going to do we're going to stop looking I literally stopped looking online at a website I became really familiar with called LoopNet that lists all the commercial uh, buildings for lease or for sale I stopped searching online. We stopped talking to real estate folks. We had a few people send us a few things. We paused for the duration of those three weeks, and all we did was just wait and pray and ask the Lord for an open door. And then on that last week of the fast, out of nowhere, we didn't search for it, but someone else initiated with us that had a connection with Maggie and Sam and said, hey, I know a guy who is an owner of a building, and he's looking to lease or sell his building. And so it wasn't quite the end of that three-week fast, so we waited a few more days, and then we looked at it. And just, I just want us to not miss this incredible thing, is that we stopped, we waited, and we prayed to the living God and said, Lord, would you give us a building or open a door? And during that little three-week fast, he opened a door for us and gave us a gift. So isn't that so cool? God is so, so good. He's a provider. He knows what we need even before we ask, and he blesses us. So a lot to come. We are still going to be here meeting uh, for church on Sunday until February 13th. That is our last uh, Sunday service here. And then February 20, 20th, no matter where we're at in the stage of our remodel, we are having church February 20th at 2211 Hawks Landing. So there's a few things we're going to need to do on the inside to make it maybe look 
a little bit better. Technically, we could have church there uh, next Sunday, but we're going to clean things out, make it look a little bit better. So, anyways, be excited with this. Let's go ahead right now. I'll just take five seconds. Let's thank the Lord for this gift. God, thank you so much for your provision, your faithfulness to us. You hear our prayers, and thank you for our first established church home. And, Lord, we thank you that you're going to use it for your glory. Would there be powerful, glorious times of worship there? Would so many of us encounter you in rich ways? Would people get saved at this place? Lord, it's not about the building. It's about what you, God, can do through a group of people that just worship you in a place. And so be glorified and worship there, and we just thank you so much for this gift. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. amen. All right, guys. Well, hey, I'm excited for this morning's message. I actually have two messages, uh, which is actually not that uncommon. But um, what we're going to do for this first part is I'm going to unpack for you guys and share what I will call some prophetic vision for us as we go into 2022. And not just for our local church, but also for the Antioch movement around um, the U.S. and around the world. If you are newer to Antioch, we um, are delighted to be a part of a bigger movement than just our local church. Um, we are part, there's about uh, 40 or 50 Antioch churches in the U.S. And we were sent out from an Antioch in a little town called Called Station, Texas. And uh, two years ago, they sent us out to plant this church, and we're a part of, yeah, we got some Antioch College Station folks in the house over there, the Valles, uh, but we are so thankful to be a part of a larger uh, body uh, of folks that know us and care for us and are walking in similar uh, vision and values, and also a part of a larger uh, worldwide <laughs> group of a lot of church plants around the world. So anyways, each year, we, we seek the Lord and the leadership and oversight of the Antioch movement seeks God about what is he saying for this year? And one of the things that I'm about to invite you guys into is a little 22 days of prayer and fasting uh, for 2022 as we kick off this year. But I wanted to, before I talk about the praying and fasting we're going to do the next 22 days, I want us to understand kind of what do we feel like God is speaking to us as a movement. All right? So that's what I'm going to do right now. Then the second part of this morning is, I believe, a timely, encouraging word that you need to hear, that we need to hear as a church family. All right, you guys ready? Here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to start in Ephesians 4. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. What I'm going to do first is, uh, before I talk about specifically what we feel like God is speaking over the Antioch movement, I want to just re-express and re-explain the beauty of how God designed the body of Christ to function. Okay, The body of Christ is this beautiful thing. The church is another way you can say it. It is a beautiful thing. It is God's design. I am so thankful that following Jesus is not just me alone on the island trying to figure it all out. I'm also thankful it's not just me in the Bible. I'm also thankful it's not just me and my worship song, my latest worship song, you know, by Maverick City. <laughs> Firm Foundation. Yeah, he won't. You know, anybody listen to that song? All right. It's a good one. <laughs> you know, I'm, those are amazing, and we will always emphasize our personal connection with Jesus and intimacy with him, but it's not the full picture we are part of the body of Christ. And so we are part of this body here, but we're also part of the larger body of Christ. And let me read a couple of things that it says here. Start in verse 1, go 1 through 7 real quick. It says this, I therefore, says Paul talking, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let me pause there for a second. Look at the phrasing in verse 1. He's like, hey, church, I'm, I'm urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 
Okay, how many guys want to walk in a way worthy of that which you've been called? Anybody besides me? Awesome. About five of us. <laughs> Great. I want to walk in a manner worthy of that for which I've been called. And another way to say that, pleasing to the Lord. Like he called me out of darkness not just to now live for myself, but to live for him. But here is how the, the next four or five words are pretty important for us in verse 2. Because he begins to unpack, here's a way, here's what it could look like to walk worthy of the calling. He says, humility, gentleness, patience, uh, bearing with one another, and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What's so interesting is about, is about those things, all five of those things would be impossible to actually walk out if you were just by yourself in your walk with God. Think about that. <laughs> humility, you, you, you can't really practice humility if it's just you. <laughs> Bearing with one another. Who are you going to bear with? If, I mean, I guess you could look yourself in the mirror and try to bear with yourself. I don't know. But these callings from God, these values, patience, forbearance, must be walked out in the context of community. The only way, let me say it a different way, the only way that we can experience the fullness of what God's called us to is if we embrace community and embrace living with one another. Let's keep going. Verse 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So that passage right there just talks about the unity, the oneness that God desires in the body of Christ. And then I don't want you to miss verse 7. He gives, he gives to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we, there's a oneness, there is a unity, but then individually he gives us gifts according to his desire. Let's go down a couple verses, and I'm going to go to verse 11. He begins to unpack some of these um, gifts, and particularly these. There's a, several passages that talk about the gifts that God gives us. Romans 12 is a good one. 1 Corinthians 12 is another one. This one here, it seems in context, talking about leadership gifts in the body of Christ. It says this in verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers for this purpose, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Love that passage. It is a mouthful, but hopefully you get the gist of this passage. God has given, he wants unity and oneness. He gives different gifts to us. And the purpose of using those gifts, especially as a church leader in some of these leadership gifts, is not just to boast in them, but it's, it, or boast them at all, it's to equip the saints, the people of God, for the work of ministry. And here's what happens. The rest of the passage talks about when we take this seriously, when we equip the saints for the work of ministry, when we're all using the gifts and talents and strengths that God has given us, what happens is it produces a really healthy body. How many of you guys want to be a part of a healthy body? I do. And the way that God says that's going to work is that there's honor, there's humility, there's gentleness, but also that we're all contributing with the strengths, the gifts that God has given us and honoring each other in the process. Okay, let me take this home a little bit and make it applicable. So let's talk about our local body. 
Okay, we need, in order to be strong, a variety of gifts and strength to make us healthy. And not only do we need a variety, but each of those varieties, we need to use those gifts that God's given us. And so another way to say that is you and your gifts and your strengths that God's given you matter. You matter. Look at somebody next to you and say, you matter. Go ahead and tell them. You matter in making this church body as healthy and as strong as God desires it to be. But let me also zoom out, okay, which I think is important for what I'm going to share with you guys in just a second about what God's speaking to the Antioch movement. Let me zoom out. Not only do you matter for this local body, but also we matter. Everybody say, we matter. <laughs> we matter. We, Antioch Community Church, matter in what God is doing in the body of Christ in Northwest Arkansas. Let me zoom out even more. The Antioch movement, so to speak, matters in what God is doing globally around the earth. God's desire is for his church all over the earth, here in northwest Arkansas, uh, in, South, in South America, in Asia, around the world. He wants his church vibrant, and full of life, full of fervor, in, in, close and intimate with him, listening to his voice, responding to him. I absolutely believe that this hour in history is, the, is God's desire that the church is brighter and shining more than ever and is, is stronger, is healthier, making a bigger impact and a bigger difference in the earth, that we're looking more and more and more different than the world. I've noticed that in the last couple years. You got these people over here shouting this thing. You got these people over here shouting this thing. The church shouldn't be over here. <laughs> we're, not, we're not fighting for a political agenda. We're not fighting for a specific person to be president. We're not fighting for or against the vaccine or not. We're not. That's not our call. Our call is Jesus, representing him, calling people to him. And that is different than what every other voice on social media is saying. And so we, it's a time for us to shine brightly, drawing people to Jesus and being close to him. And I think it's our, our finest hour. That was not on my notes, but I'm excited about that. Gosh. <laughs> so let me say it a different way. Every church, every ministry, every movement, every denomination has strengths from God that um, when we use it, it helps strengthen the body of Christ around the world and bring about God's purposes in the earth. So because this is true, what are we to, to do? As, as you think, not just about yourself, but about us and we, is we embrace the specific calling and mandate that God's given us. We embrace it. We thank God for it. And then you could apply that individually. Like, thank the Lord for the way that he's gifted you, okay? Uh, and I'm so thankful for the way he's gifted you. There's so many of you in this room that you're just so much stronger in different areas than I am. And we need that. Um, and some of you, it's like you don't need to look at me and say, I, I'm on a microphone and I can communicate messages or cast a vision and think that I want that. No, embrace the gifting and the calling and the strength that you carry because that is what's going to help us be the strongest. Similarly, us as a corporate body, when we embrace what God's called us to, it's going to help add value to the body of Christ at large. And one more comment I want to make on this is not only what do we do, we embrace it, but how do we think about this, especially how do we think about others and what God's called them to do and their specific strengths and callings? How do we, we are called to honor and give thanks for the different giftings and strengths that the other parts of the body of Christ have. You know what the natural tendency, though, to do is to criticize and judge. I can't believe that church would do that. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go a different one because they don't do it the way I like to do it. Okay, you could have that mindset, and I understand there's some hurtful things that have happened before, probably in all of our lives related to the body of Christ, but that is 
the reality of the fact that we are all human. None of us are Jesus. <laughs> we all need him. We hurt one another. But I want us to uh, be a church that honors the different expressions of the body of Christ. I don't have to do everything the way that a certain other church does it, but I want to honor and speak blessing and encouragement over the different expressions in the body of Christ. Is this making sense? Great. Okay, so let's talk about actually what I meant to talk to you about. Here we go. So for us, Antioch Movement, let me share with you a little bit uh, about what we feel like God has been speaking. So in uh, about middle of 2020, Jimmy Seibert, he's the founder and leader of the Antioch Movement, and he was getting this sense that God was conscripting the Antioch Movement for such a time as this. And he had this kind of imagery or analogy of this ship that was used in World War II called the Queen Mary. Anybody ever heard of the Queen Mary? There's a picture right there, Queen Mary, all right? This is a really, keep that up there for a while. Um, this is going to be a helpful analogy for us um, as I talk about what we feel like God's speaking. So the Queen Mary was a former cruise liner, but it was retrofitted in World War II to become a battleship. So literally they like stripped out all the luxuries on the inside and they put this massive engine room or boiler room that carried the ship really fast across the sea and they made a whole bunch of bunkers so they can fit thousands of soldiers and so after it was retrofitted into a battleship, it carried thousands of troops across the sea in World War II. So what is this? You can keep that up for a little bit. What, what could this mean for us as an Antioch movement? Here's a couple ways I'll say it. One, we are not a cruise ship. We are a battleship. Okay? Here's some more of what I mean by that. We are not called to be those that just sit back and just watch what happens in the world. We are those that are called to lean in, to engage with passion and fervor in what God is doing around the world, to engage in his mission of making disciples, taking new ground for the kingdom, advancing God's kingdom, and seeing breakthrough in the earth, to pioneer being willing to lead and pioneer new things, all the while and eagerly anticipating the fulfillment of Matthew 24, 14, which is the great commission to be fulfilled. It is the gospel going out into all the different nations until the end comes, until the Lord Jesus returns. That's the type of people we're called to be. A couple, another, another way to, that's been phrased over the years is that we are an apostolic and prophetic people. Here's what I mean by that. Prophetic meaning we're just always trying to listen. God, what are you saying and what's the next thing that you are calling us to, to do? What are you speaking? We all hear in part, but we want to be a people that are attentively listening to what the Lord might be doing. And then by apostolic, once we hear some prophetic direction, we are those that go. We start new things. We're willing to take new ground for the kingdom of God. We're willing to be the first. Okay, you think about the apostles in the New Testament. Is that there were those that went to these cities for the first time to start new churches and start new movements there. And so that, that is a calling, we believe, that God has given us, and we need to operate in that so that we can walk in all that God's called us to do. A couple key passages for us over the years is Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, and also Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Isaiah 52, 54, 2 and 3 says this. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people or will inhabit the desolate cities. Acts 1.8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These passages, God has really stamped on us as a movement to take seriously so that we can go be those that go and make disciples and all, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by our own doing, but by the, His grace and His power and His leadership going to make disciples all over the earth. So let me talk about, so that's something that he, um, the leadership team got in 2020, just a helpful imagery for us of what we're called and who we're called to be. But let's talk specifically about this year. 
This year, there has been this strong emphasis in regards to this Queen Mary imagery about what was called the boiler room or the engine room of the Queen Mary. Like I already mentioned, the engine room was literally what made the Queen Mary all that it was. That gave it its speed and its strength. And at the Queen Mary is this massive place where there was a lot of power and energy being worked up in this room. Here's what happened back in, I think it was November, such an encouraging story. Uh, the leadership in Antioch and Waco were in a season of a couple weeks of just doing a lot of prayer meetings, trying to listen to God and what he was saying. Uh, and one morning in particular, here's three things that happened in one day. It's just so cool when God does stuff like this. Jimmy Seibert woke up, and he had this strange thought and different thought of, I wonder what the boiler room or the engine room was like in the Queen Mary. Then he goes to a prayer meeting with some folks, and there's this young adult girl named Stephanie who comes up to Jimmy and says, Hey, Jimmy, this is strange, but I had a dream last night about the engine room of the Queen Mary. Me and some other friends were working in it. It was just like, the, it was hot. There was this fire there. It was, there was power. There was energy. There was excitement in this room. I had this dream last night. And Jimmy's like, oh, cool. A couple hours later, he uh, talks with a guy named Colby who helps lead up some corporate prayer stuff. And Colby comes up to Jimmy and says, hey, I've been having this strange thought or just a lot of thoughts about the engine room and the boiler room and the Queen Mary. And Jimmy's like, Okay. <laughs> And, he, and uh, Colby had done some research and found out that literally this room is what made the Queen Mary all that it was meant to be. So when God does something like that, it's a good idea to just pay attention. What are you saying, Lord? What does this mean for us? And here is the simple way that I would, would say it and how it's been communicated is that that boiler room, that place where the fire is happening, has always been the place of worship and intercession for us. It's a place of deep connection with the Lord in the secret place, but also corporately interceding for what God's purposes are in the earth. It's a place we find strength, we get breakthrough, we take new ground in the spirit, we see strongholds come down, we get filled with the Lord, and we find power and anointing to see God's kingdom come in the earth. It's that place of intimacy, of worship, of intercession with the Lord. So, all that being said, with what we feel like God is speaking, we always want to respond. God says something, we have an opportunity to respond. And we are going to jump in with other Antiochs all over the U.S. and around the world, and we're going to take seriously this invitation into starting off 2022 with more worship and intercession than maybe we, were, uh, we did the, in December. Okay? And so that's why we are going to invite you guys, our entire church, into starting tomorrow this 22 days of prayer and fasting. Now, there's a resource under your chair. Go ahead and pull that out right now. It's a little half piece of cardstock. Go ahead and pull that out right now. And here's what I'm about to have us do, all right? Now, before you get distracted by it, let me say a couple things. There's a lot of different ways this next 22 days can look for each of us individually, and it will not look the same for all of us. But we want you to read through this because it explains a little bit more about some prayer points. It gives you a little bit of the history that I just gave you. And then on the back, it gives you an opportunity to prayerfully consider how you can engage in prayer and how you can engage in fasting, all right? Now, what we're going to do corporately together as a church is um, for the next three weeks, Monday through Friday, it's up on the screen too, why don't you look at the screen real quick, Monday through Friday for the next three weeks, we're going to open up the uh, lunch hour, noon to one, where we're going to do a prayer meeting where we're going to spend extended time in worship and extended time in intercession. 
Now, I know obviously it doesn't work for everybody's schedule, but we wanted to have something consistent where we are spending time each weekday at least where we are going to gather and have an opportunity at least to enter into the place of worship and intercession. All right? Now, uh, that address there is Tori Smith's house. Uh, I don't think she's here this morning. Maybe she's still out of town. But thankfully, Tori opened up her home for those uh, 15 days for us to be able to meet there and pray. Hey, once we have our own church building and we get access to it and everything, then we can have it there. But thankfully, Tori uh, opened up her home. And uh, there's other ways that you can engage as well with this fast, but that's what we're going to be doing meeting together. On Saturdays, just want to encourage you as a family or as a life group to, if you have time, meet together and pray. And on Sundays, we're going to carve out some time during worship to do a little bit of intercession uh, when we meet the next three weeks. All right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put some music on, and literally I'm going to give you like five minutes right now. You can read through this whole thing, but mainly want you to spend some time on the back and for you to take a pen out. Usually we have some pens on the floor as well. And just take a few minutes and just talk to God about what your engagement could look like. I don't anticipate anybody saying, I'm going to be at every single one of these unless you feel like God's speaking that to you. But we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord and write down a few thoughts that you feel like he might be speaking of different ways you can engage in this. All right? Okay, so go for it. Uh, Take some time right now and journal a few thoughts about this 22 days of prayer. Alright guys, thanks for taking the time to do that, taking this seriously, and yeah, I just want to encourage us to respond as the Lord leads for this next 22 days. I'm excited to do some more prayer and intercession and to kick off this year with sowing into that place. The Lord is faithful. He'll answer. He'll respond to us and he'll change us in the process. So I'm excited. Okay, so here's how I'm going to wrap up this morning. Um, why don't you turn to First Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read a little passage here. And um, this is going to be a, a, a complete shift in the feel and the tone. What you'll notice is I really like just calling us higher into the big picture vision of what God's doing in the earth. But this message is just for your heart, okay? This is to encourage you, to comfort you, to hopefully strengthen you. And um, literally, I feel like this is a timely passage I'm about to read that the Lord just wants to minister to everyone in this room and remind us of some basics, but potentially even give us some major breakthrough in our personal lives as we start off this year. Would anybody like to start off 2022 with some major personal breakthrough? <laughs> Me. Awesome. So I've been really meditating on this passage um, a lot lately, in the last uh, couple months, but I'm going to read First uh, Peter chapter 5. Primarily going to focus in on verses 6 through 11. But uh, hang on, before you put it up there, just a little context here. First Peter is such a great, great book. Obviously, Peter, one of the disciples that walked with Jesus, he is writing this letter to multiple groups of believers. And um, I think there's just so many themes in this book that are very applicable to things we've experienced in the last couple of years. It talks about... Um, just hardship and opposition. He talks about how can we respond to authority that's not just in the church, though he does mention that, but author- uh, governing authorities. He talks about that. He talks about marriage. He talks about just being the people of God. He talks a lot about his grace. So and there's a lot of great stuff in here. So I encourage you to read First Peter. Uh, but let me focus in on uh, chapter 5 here. He starts the first six or five verses Uh, really with an exhortation to the leaders of the church to make sure that they are shepherding uh, the flock that God's entrusted to them uh, with a humble spirit, with a willing spirit, 
uh, and really with a desire to serve everyone. And right after that, he goes into this exhortation I'm about to read to you guys. And um, what I'm going to do is as I read through this, here's what I'm going to pull out. One is I'm going to give you five things that you need to know. Second, I'm going to give you five things that you need to do. Third, I'm going to give you five things that God says he will do. And then we're going to wrap it up with just one main thing that we need to believe and receive. All right, you guys ready? First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 11 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Spirit of God, just ask that you would touch our hearts through your word. Thank you that you wrote this, or that, that you inspired Peter to write this thousands of years ago, and it was really applicable to the churches he directly wrote it to, but Lord, thank you that it's also very applicable to us today. And I pray that you would encourage every one of our hearts. We would hear something today that we need to hear that would really help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You already encouraged us by reading the Word of God? It's a great passage. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm not going to give you all that I studied on this, but I'm just so thankful for this passage. It's been really, really strengthening to my spirit lately. But let me start with this. I've got some slides for you. Let me show you five things from this passage that it seems like you and I need to know. So five things that we need to know. You ready? One is that the devil looks for people to devour. Two, you are not alone. Isn't that a great encouraging number one? <laughs> Number two, you're not alone in your suffering or your struggles. Number three, it's only, quote-unquote, a little while. I'll explain that in a little bit. Number four, you are called to eternal glory. And number five, God has all dominion forever. Isn't that great news? I love the uh, number one compared to number five. So let's talk about this for a second. Okay, what you need to know is the devil looks for people to devour, according to, what is that, verse eight? So here is a couple comments on this one. Um, I think, let me give you kind of two kind of bookends, two extremes. I think it's a bad idea for us to be more concerned or aware of the devil than God. We should not live a life where we're trying to find the demon around every corner, okay? And be a uh, wake up, oh, I'm in a battle today, I hope I make it. No, 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 no. You are in a battle, but you've already made it if you're a believer, <laughs> You're covered in the blood of Jesus, and there's some sweet promises in Scripture about his authority in your life and over the devil. And if you're a child of God, you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you're covered, you also have been given victory over the devil. So you do not need to be afraid of him. But here's another side that I would discourage, and that would be to almost assume that he, the devil doesn't exist, or at least to live as if he doesn't. And there's one, there's like a way you can take some of the truths I just spoke to you. I'm a child of God. I'm a believer. Man, no. Literally, the devil's not even a part of my life. doesn't even matter. No, 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 no. The reality is you are a child of God. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. You are protected, but the devil hates you. And he will still try to destroy you. If he tried to destroy Jesus, he will try to destroy you. <laughs> okay? Jesus, obviously, the son of God. 
The enemy came and uh, tempted him, uh, attacked him, tried to oppress him. Jesus, thankfully, was victorious. And so he will do the same to you. We just need to know the truth that he doesn't have any power and authority over us. You guys tracking? Okay, number two, you are not alone in your suffering or your struggles. So I would say one of the most deceiving lies, one of the most deceiving lies of the devil is when you are struggling with something. Everybody say something. <laughs> Literally, I mean anything, any negative thought, any negative emotion, any discouragement. I don't care what it is, any practical thing. If you are struggling with something, the devil will try to whisper to you that you are alone. And I would even say the, the darker it is, the more embarrassing it is, the more he will try to convince you that you should not share that with anybody because you are alone. It'll go away, you know, just don't say anything, you know, it's fine, you know. And I just want you to know that I bet you if you were to all, we were all share our number one struggles lately, I bet you there'd be at least two people in this room that say, yep, I'm with you. <laughs> Maybe ten. And that is, supposed, that is meant to comfort us to help us get out of the devil's lies of isolation and loneliness and bring us into, oh, God, thank you that I'm not alone. And there's some people, let's say they're not currently struggling with certain things, but they have walked through it and they have gotten a victory and their testimony will bring you hope and will bring you victory also. Love, I mean, just connected to what I was sharing earlier, I love that we are the body of Christ and we're not alone in our pursuit of God. All right, number three, it's only a little while. Okay, this one is good for us to know, but it's just, you might not like it. Look at the very beginning of verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while. Here's the unfortunate news. You and I don't get to define the duration of a little while. <laughs> Who does? God. He defines a little while. There's, there's definitely big uh, trials or struggles or hardships that I've experienced uh, lately that I just had this feeling like, okay, surely, Lord, surely this is enough time. Surely it's time to be done. It's been more than a little while in my definition. But I do want to encourage you that the Lord's timing is never accidental. It's always purposeful. And if something, in a sense, that is out of your control hasn't changed yet, then the Lord is still doing something. And so it's better to embrace God's timing and let him do all that he wants to do than to constantly fight and resist and just hope it's done now. Maybe there's some more the Lord wants to do inside of you. And what I'm not saying is that you stay in any form of sin. It's <laughs> not what I'm saying. If you're in sin, you need to confess it, bring it to the light, get breakthrough, and repent and turn. But if there's other just pressures and struggles that are out of your control that haven't changed yet. I want you to know that it is a little while. It will lift. It will lift in God's perfect timing. But submit to the Lord's process so that he can do all that he wants to do inside of you. Okay, number four, this is connected to number three, but you are called to earthly glory. Are you, what are you called to? Did you, did you see that in verse 10? Who has called you to his eternal glory. Listen, we live in a generation that really emphasizes earthly glory. Your goal in life is to become Instagram famous. Your goal in life is to get the dream house and car and land you've always wanted and for there to be a point in your life where everything is completely easy. <laughs> Sorry. I'm laughing because I believe that sometimes. That my deep longings and desires that are in me and that are in you will ultimately be fulfilled on this earth. 
That is not true. God is so good to us. He's such a great God. But none of us, the deep longings in your heart to have peace that's never changed, shalom that is never touched, that will happen in eternity. And from now until then, there will be some tension. Now, when we get into the presence of God, I don't know about you, sometimes I get in God's presence, I'm like, everything is perfect. This is awesome. I feel his nearness, his presence. He's encouraging me with who I am. I just feel so loved. You know, and what that is, is, is little tastes of eternity. It's little moments of eternity. Now, what happens, at least for me, is I don't stay in that constant state forever. It's like, yes, glory, awesome. And then I have a screaming child five minutes later, okay? And it gets me out of the glory zone, <laughs> okay? And, but it, but it's, it's meant to stoke that longing for eternity. We are not just earthly beings. We are eternal in the sense that we are going to live with the Lord forever. It's the beauty of being a part of his church. It's not just he's going to bless your life now and you live a better life with God than if you were to not know him. No, you are eternal. You're going to live with him forever. And so my encouragement to us is kind of shift some of those desires, those longings, those goals. Just make sure you can have goals on the earth. That's great. But just make sure it doesn't stop there that we're thinking about the reality of eternity. And there's decisions we can make today. There's mindsets we can take on today that, in a sense, will affect our eternity. And it helps you endure a little bit longer and have healthier expectations so that you're not as disappointed when hard things happen. And then number five, love this, God has all demands. the very end of verse 11. He has all dominion forever and ever. All rule, all reign, all authority. He wins and he is victorious. And so here's what's encouraging to you. You need to know this, is that like, because he has all dominion and he wins and rules and reigns forever, so do you, because you're on his team. Anybody like winning besides me? I like winning. One of the biggest trials of 2020 and 2021 is when I coached my first basketball season with my son, Josiah. 0-10. <laughs> the hardest trial I think I've walked through in the last year and a half. Just kidding, not. But, man, that was such a blow. But I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, all right, I like to win, and I know somebody else who likes to win too, the Lord. So I don't feel too bad about that. But it's just so great to, to win. And, um, but I want you to think about it with the Lord. He wins forever, no matter what happens on the earth. No matter what, I just got another kind of, maybe it's not great news, but if you connect it to the truth that we're talking about, I don't necessarily think the world is going to get a lot better after COVID. <laughs> you know how many times we've said that? When COVID's done. <laughs> and then, oh, another one. Uh, <laughs> okay, so it's like, or political. I mean, there's going to be another election, and it's not probably not going to be pretty. <laughs> and you're not going to agree with everybody in this room. What are you going to do? <laughs> we're going to trust in Jesus. We're going to say, we don't live on this earth. Oh, my gosh. And we're not going to hope that everything gets peachy on the earth. No, 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 no. We're going to find more and more rest and peace and security and confidence in Jesus and know that he rules and reigns forever. And there's things we do need to engage in in the earth, but that's not what we're living for. He's got all the dominion forever and ever. He wins and we're on his team. Praise God. That's good news, yeah? All right. Next thing I want to show you. Those are five things you need to know. Here's five things that this scripture says you, you can do or need to do. All right. 
Number one, I think it'll be another slide. Number one is humble yourself before God. Number two, cast your anxieties on him. Number three, be sober-minded and watchful. Number four, resist the devil. And this is a bonus, all right? Uh, rebuke the devil, all right? I had to get it to five, but also it's a good additional interpretation in verse nine, all right? So here we go. Uh, number one, starting in verse six, says humble yourselves before God. Here's a couple ways that I want to just express it can look. It's just when you, well, one, it's, it's, it's constantly coming before God. If, if it's already not normal for you to uh, spend time in God's presence, even if, it, if it's not like an hour a day, that's not even really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like each day, do you engage with your Father? Do you engage with the Lord? That is literally one expression of humility. No matter what you say to Him, no matter what you pray, no matter what you do, if you come to Him and it's an, ex it's an expression of humility, especially if you were to say phrases like, God, I need you today. Literally, that's a, the first step of living and embracing a humble life is, Lord, I need you today. John 15, 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so take, take that your next step, Lord, I need you. But also, actually, apart from you, I can't do anything. You want to embrace a humble life. Another way that we can do that as well is, number two, cast your anxieties on him. I think that this is an expression of humility. And let's talk about the word cast. Okay, what does that word mean? <laughs> This, this side of the church is ready. They've just, they just been like this. Five of them together. It's awesome. So casting, it's like, it's like a, it's not just a little bit of like, here you go, Lord. It's like a, it has some energy to it. It has some strength to it. We're throwing it down. We're getting a little, a little animated. It has some energy that we're exerting. We're casting our what? Anxieties, our worries, our cares. And I have anxieties and I have worries and I have cares there's some of you that don't believe anxiety exists, okay? I used to be one of those people. <laughs> and it's real. It's, all of us have different things and different stages of your life that are pressures and stresses on you. And here's what the Lord says we need to do, and it's an example of humility, is we need to cast them. We need to throw them. And listen, let me say a couple things about it. Do it as much as you need to. And do it fervently, with vigor, <laughs> and like expectation that the Lord, you're like obeying scripture, but the Lord is actually going to do something with that. Okay, so it's like, God, I give you my stress, Lord. I confess it. Oh, this hurts. This thing is hard. I'm afraid of this thing. I'm worried about this particular outcome. This particular person. I'm sorry, Lord, but I get a little just weird, worried, and anxious about this person. Lord, here it is. And I would encourage you, don't make it pretty. Casting is like, it's like literally the example of throwing this net to, uh, from a boat to catch a bunch of fish. The, the fishermen aren't just like, you know, trying to make it all pretty. Like, they're, it's just like messy. Just throw your mess, <laughs> and the Lord will hear you, and he'll receive you. So cast your anxieties on him. Number three, be sober-minded and watchful. That's from uh, verse 8. Be sober-minded and watchful. Now, here, let me comment on this for a second. Um, I used to think that what this means, my initial application point for this one is that I need to watch the news some, a lot of times. That was, any, you can just nod your head, but anybody like ever think that? Like when I read this verse, be watchful, know what's going on in the world. It, my first thought was I need to make sure I'm watching the news. Now, should you watch the news or not? <laughs> These days, I don't know what to tell you about that, but... Um, <laughs> You know, that's not, I think, a great first application because the entire first, second, third, you know, generation of believers didn't have the news to watch, okay? <laughs> it's a good observation. Okay, they, they didn't have something in their pockets. They could just look what's, hap what's happening in the world. So this is something that 
can only be accessed. This type of sober-mindedness and watchfulness is something Jesus told his disciples as well, and it was always connected to the place of prayer. Be watchful and pray. Be watchful and pray. Be watch- it's this place of being sensitive to what God is saying by every time you pray, you have the word of God open as well. Every time you have the word of God open, you're praying as well. It's this like, Lord, what is going on in my world, in the world? Lord, I want to be sensitive. I want to be aware. I want to be sober-minded. I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be deceived. If, and this needs to be the anchor point. This in connection with the Lord. Okay? And it needs to start here and in here, and everything in between is always this. If your starting point is the latest article or the latest news thing or this thing, if that's your starting point, you're not going to get to where you, we need to be. We start and end here. Of course, there's information that we can filter in between, but this needs to be our anchor point always, how we become watchful and sober-minded. And I believe it's so important right now in this generation for the body of Christ to increase in discernment and what God's doing in the earth. All right? Tracking? Okay, number four, number five, <laughs> go together. Resist the devil and rebuke the devil. There is, this is an action word, all right? And uh, some of us operate in this and try to do this. Others of us just kind of maybe hope things go away or hope the devil will stop and leave you alone. There's, there's fervor and there's action just like casting in this resisting and this rebuking. You have been given authority over the devil by Jesus, and he gave that to you on purpose because he knows that you need it. There's going to be a temptations and there's going to be attacks that might come. There's going to be weird negative thoughts in your mind. There's going to be things that happen just because we live on this earth, and we need to operate in the authority of Christ. And that can look like when you have a negative thought and you finally realize it's there, you say, no, in Jesus' name. Or I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And you resist even not just thoughts but emotions and feelings of anxiety and worry and fear. Say, Lord, no, I resist this in Jesus' name. James 4 says when you submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And it might not happen just like this, but every time we operate in this stuff, we do it by faith. We say, Lord, I, I submit to you. I'm yours. I resist the devil. I do not give in to this feeling or this emotion or this temptation. And I believe he's going to flee and lift. Then I don't sit there and meditate on it for another hour. I'm just like, Lord, by faith, I give this to you. Then you move on. I just feel like um, some of us need to hear this today, that there might be some things going on that we just need to more actively resist and rebuke the enemy's temptations and struggles. All right, let's keep going to number three here. This is so encouraging. But here, the first two areas we have to do, in a sense, with your application, things to know, things to do. But here is five things that God says he will do. He is so good, and he's so faithful. Now, I looked up um, some of these words in Greek and got some cool definitions for all this stuff. If you want to kind of geek out on all that stuff, then text me, and we'll hang out, and I'll tell you some things I learned. Or you literally can just go look up a bunch of things. But here's what it says God will do. The number one is taken from verse 6. So that the proper time he will exalt you. And then number two through five is taken from verse 10, where he says, After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So let's talk about these just for a second. So exalt. Another word that's used in some translation is lift up. That might be a little bit easier because when you think of, oh, God's going to exalt me, you think that's like a bad thing because you don't want to like be prideful. Okay, but listen, if you're in a mess and you're in the pit and you just feel dirty and covered in something, you want God to lift you out of that. <laughs> yes? Another way to say that is to exalt you out of that. 
If you're feeling weighed down, stressed, and maybe even oppressed by something, you want the Lord to exalt you out of that, lift you out of that, yes? That's what that means. And he's so faithful to do that, connected with us humbling ourselves before him and saying, we need you, God. Let's look at these next four words. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I wish I wrote all these things out here, but man, that restoration part is really talking about your heart. <laughs> it's talking about just adjusting some things inside of us that need to be adjusted. The next part, confirm, really has to do with like your mind. It's like he's going to set your mind, he's going to confirm the things God's spoken or called to you, he's going to confirm it and give you a steadfastness in the things that you need to be steadfast in. Number three, strengthen, that's like to the soul level. Gives you a resolve in your soul that you're going to be healthy, one, <laughs> that you're going to be whole right there in your soul, and you're going to be able to have strength, like it says there, of being strengthened. And then number five is actually, it's like, it's about, I just used the word strength, but a lot of these Greek words are kind of interchangeable here, but it's talking about like a, a, a strength or an ability to be able to withstand weight. It's like a, the imagery given for that Greek word is like laying a foundation, and it's a strong foundation. So anyways, what I love about this is all those things are really encouraging, but also I just see a clear connection with the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. There's something here in what God wants to do in us is producing as a people that live out the greatest commandment of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he will do these things as we come before him. And it's just so encouraging to me. I think this is not only a personal word for many of us in this room, but us as a church, the last couple years, I just feel like, okay, it's been a rough start to this church planning journey, but we are getting some breakthrough for like even with the building, it's just a perfect timing where God is just establishing us, strengthening us, confirming us, and restoring us and doing things in us. But I think that we all need to know, it's not just you know, me and the staff that have this thing here, but you, God wants, he's interested in doing these things in you and in me personally as well. Amen? Anybody want God's restoration, confirmation, strengthening, and establishing in your life? Come on. Me too. All right, here's how I'm going to close up. Band, you come on up. Here's how I want to close. And then uh, some of our life group leaders and staff members, in just a second, get ready, because I want to uh, be able to pray over each other um, in just a minute. So be ready to make yourself available for that. Here's how I want to close it out. There's one more slide, but it's a simple point. Through all these things that I just read from this passage, things to know, things to do, what God's going to do, I believe there's like one main thing, not just to know in your brain or to do with your actions, but it's something to receive inside your soul. Ready? Here it is. The main thing I want you to believe and receive is this. God cares for you. Look at your neighbor and say, God cares for you. Go ahead. Tell him. Look at this. Verse 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because why he cares for you think about this the god this is really crazy but we need to receive it if we want to walk in the breakthrough that this passage talks about we need to believe it it's actually not that easy to believe sometimes we go in these extremes of the world centers around me <laughs> but then you realize no it doesn't god's bigger than me there's a lot going on on the earth you know, that's true, but just don't also believe that God doesn't care about your individual life. Listen, y'all, the God who spoke the world into existence, he's so good, and he is your father. 
He's our father, but he's also your father. And he knows exactly what you're thinking right now <laughs> as you stare at me. <laughs> he knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what, how you felt when you woke up this morning. He knows what's on your plate today. He knows what's on your plate this week. He knows your struggles. He, and listen, listen, he cares. He does not overlook any one of you. He knows. He cares. He sees. He loves. And he is here for us today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just pray over us that we would believe that truth. I'm hopeful that some of the things I shared were, will be really applicable to you guys this week and whatever you might be going through. But I'm going to pray that you believe it. And then also what I would love, um, if you feel comfortable, I would love for everybody to get some prayer this morning. And pretty much the main thing that I want you to, to share with somebody that you know, that you came with, you trust. Some of our leaders will be in, kind of on the side, but if you just want to turn to somebody you came with, guys with guys, girls with girls, just like what is it that you need to know that God cares about in your personal life that you just need some prayer for, you just need some encouragement in? What is it that is going on in you that you need to believe this for, that God actually cares for you? All right, let me pray. Thank you, living God, that you're in this room right now. And thank you for your, your word. Thank you for your scripture this morning that we looked at. And Lord, I just ask you right now in the name of Jesus that every one of us in this room would believe that you, God Almighty, care for us. We rebuke the lies. We resist the temptation that says otherwise that you're too busy for us. You're too big for us. Or that you're, you're distant. Lord, no, you're close and you care about everything going on in our life. And I pray we believe it today. And I pray you would restore us. You would confirm us. You would strengthen us and you would establish us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet. And I want to encourage you to go see one of these life group leaders or staff members and get some prayer or turn to somebody next to you and just would love all of us to receive some prayer before we head out today, all right? Let's do it. Let's worship.